You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This is the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it like when Tatum play a Jalen on the breakaway, a Kyrie when he make a trade, and nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth that after you play it, you gotta repeat. So in depth they might do an hour about the D League. So in depth you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. And well wishes go to Gordon. Listen, after every game is very important, Millie. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making us part of your regular routine. We're here for you as often as we can be during the dead of the offseason. But yesterday when we posted this podcast, I saw a lot of reaction of people saying, finally, it's about time. I know we took a few days off. So I will try and we will try to post more as much as we can. And that's what we're going to do today. I am John Corrales of the Rain and Jays here by myself for this show, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share my weekly hit that I do on downtown with Rich Kimball on The Zone in Bangor, Maine. I hope you guys who are in the Maine area who are listening, check that out. Or if you see me tweeting that out, you can check that out. But I'm going to add it here so you can listen. It's about 10 minutes talking Celtics, big three, a couple of other things. So I'm going to throw that in there. So you guys can check that out. But first, I want to discuss the Christmas schedule, which Mark Stein tweeted out. It's not the full schedule, but we heard that the uh, everybody heard that the NBA was going to release its national TV Christmas and MLK Day schedules 2 p.m. on Wednesday. So by the time you're listening to this, there might be a full schedule released. But Mark Stein tweeted out that it's going to be Celtics Sixers as well as Bucks, Knicks, LeBron, and the Lakers to face Golden State uh, on the Christmas Day schedule. There's still two more games there. I'm not a fan of the Knicks getting a, a Christmas Day game because the Knicks are going to suck big time. But at the same time, they've got Kevin Knox, and they're the Knicks, and everybody in New York in the number one market in television is going to be watching that. So that's a big ratings ploy. So we'll see. Giannis on that stage will get some more exposure. I mean, not that he needs it, but they're going to feature him. Celtics, I'm looking for the Celtics and the Lakers to be on national TV once, if not twice. I was thinking it might be the Christmas Day game. Maybe it'll be the MLK Day game. Maybe it'll be uh, just a national TV game. Who knows? But it's going to be Celtics and Sixers, another matchup. That does make sense. Uh, we'll see what happens with the the matchup there. We know that it will not feature their first-round pick. I, and I'm not laughing. I'm just shocked at how bad the Sixers' luck is. Sixers' first-round pick, Zaire Smith, fractured his left foot. It's a Jones fracture, which could cost him the season. It's a different recovery for a lot of people, but that is the same injury that cost Ben Simmons his full season. It cost multiple guys seasons. This is a, it's a weird kind of fracture in the foot. 
and it's another Sixers rookie that is going to be sidelined for a significant amount of time. It's amazing to me. Yes, I know that they drafted a bunch of guys that were hurt already, but then they drafted guys who got hurt on top of it. So wild, just wild injury luck for the Sixers. But it'll be Celtics-Sixers apparently on Christmas Day. Always a fun matchup between these two teams. Historical rivals, regional rivals, divisional rivals. Uh, you know, the the Sixers are on the come up. The Celtics are contenders. And, you know, Philly fans just love, <laughs> love tweak, trying to tweak the Celtics fans. But uh, I don't think Celtics fans are, are having it. That's going to be an interesting. Are, are people going to take the time to tweet and meme and post through a Christmas Day game between these two teams? I think they will. I think it. Families have to understand this is a call to action, even on Christmas Day. Celtics fans, weird Celtics Twitter will post its way through that Christmas Day game, especially if it's a later game and all of the family fun has been had. So that's the schedule. We'll talk more about that as more of it gets released. Now, here is my conversation with Rich Kimball. I do it every week on Tuesdays on The Zone in Bangor, Maine. You, I tweet it out every time, so just follow me. If you haven't followed me on Twitter, at RedsArmy underscore John by now, then I guess you never will. But I do tweet it out. So here's my conversation with Rich, and I'll talk more after. Hey, we're back on downtown here on a steamy Tuesday afternoon. Time for us to do what we do every week at this time, and that's talk basketball, as we're joined by John Corrales of RedsArmy.com and the Locked on Celtics podcast, those dog days of summer, John, make me long for winter nights watching basketball. I know. There's something nice about getting all bundled up, watching a little bit of basketball, having a nice hot drink. Beautiful. Basketball and sports in general often a diversion from the real world, but they they sort of intersected over the weekend uh, with this bizarre situation involving LeBron James, Michael Jordan, and of course, when bizarre is mentioned, the president of the United States. Uh, how, did, how did this whole thing come to pass? Why wasn't this just a celebration of a talented athlete doing a wonderful thing for young people? Well, in the interview... After he opened the school, he sat down, LeBron sat down, Don Lemon of CNN. He was asked a couple of questions about politics. LeBron has been adamant, I think, very vocal in that he's not a fan of president. I think that is a very pervasive opinion uh, in the NBA. A very large percentage of the NBA is not a fan of Donald Trump. And so he expressed that. And uh, I think it's it's clear at this point that anyone who expresses any displeasure with the president, uh, if you are of any note, if you are any kind of celebrity, then you will incur the wrath on Twitter of the president. And uh, the, the whole thing about it is that it's very derogatory in nature. It called him stupid, insulted his intelligence. Uh, and the difference between the NBA and some other leagues that we've seen is the NBA comes to their players' support in matters like this. LeBron was immediately uh, praised by the owner of his new team, Jeannie Buss of the Lakers. The commissioner issued a statement. Michael Jordan issued a statement. Players throughout the league, very strong, very uh, very much backing 
LeBron and very much uh, defending him uh, against that attack. So that's where we are. That's the climate. And and LeBron is not going to back down. The NBA is not going to back down. We've had multiple instances now of the Warriors not going to the White House, not being invited anymore. Uh, I don't know who the next NBA team uh that, I don't know which NBA team would go at this point. Uh, I think it would be pretty universal uh, across the board that teams are, are reluctant to go and put themselves in that situation. And John, on Twitter, uh, you're not reluctant to share your political thoughts now and again. Overall, what's the reaction to that from Twitter followers? Well, you know, you, you definitely have a, a stick to sports thing. And, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not afraid do it. Uh, I, I try to be respectful, I think, of the, the audience and not inundate people with it. But when something comes up, I'm, I'm going to speak my mind. And uh, I, I think what happens is uh, people are very much uh, either when they agree with you, they agree with you. They're, they, they're going to cheer you on. If they don't agree with you. You get a lot of the sick sports. I don't follow you for the politics. I don't follow you for, for these things. And we get into some arguments, which is fine. That's part of the, the political discourse. Uh, the stick to sports thing is not something I agree with, uh, especially when these are important matters. Uh, I'm not going to go out there and, and go on long dissertations about uh, freezing Social Security and, and things like that. Like that's, that's not the forum for me. But when it comes to big major issues like uh, racial equality, gender equality, it's just things that are pervasive throughout our society – I am going to express that, and uh, even if it kind of penetrates your little bubble, your escape, then that's kind of the point. The kind of the point is to get you to understand that this is kind of the thought, this is what's happening, is very, very important. We, we like to retreat into our bubbles, and yeah, I'd love to stick to sports. Uh, if, if all of these things were better, then I would stick to sports. But uh, sometimes, no matter where you are, even if you don't want to, even if you don't feel like it, even if it's uncomfortable, you have to talk about some of these things. And and it, just because I am a writer, just because my chosen field is to cover the Boston Celtics, that doesn't mean that I'm not a human being that's aware of my surroundings and aware, aware of the world. So when important things come up, I am going to talk about them. Well said. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Uh, talk about this, man. It looks like it was a great time. A big old guy reunion at the TD Garden, including <laughs> one of, I thought of Johnny Most, one of his favorite targets from the old days. Oh, Rick Mahorn? Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> I wish I could repeat some of the things that he said over there. <laughs> but uh, like they, they have, uh, the big three came to Boston last weekend. Uh, the big three, I, I don't watch a ton of big three. But there is a, a certain nostalgia element to it. It's got a, kind of a unique niche, three-on-three basketball, bunch of retired players. Yamari Stoudemire is in there, Steven Jackson. Uh, I, I sit there. One time I turned on the TV. I said, is that, is that Bonzi Wells? Yeah, it's Bonzi Wells. He's out there. These guys are out there. They're playing. Scal is out there. Nate Robinson is out there. Glenn Big Baby Davis is out there. Uh, it, it's fun to see those guys out there again doing their thing, playing some kind of basketball. And in July and August, when we're all starving for some basketball, it's great. You know, the good thing about the offseason is the NBA puts on its summer league. The big three steps in and has this. The WNBA is gaining in popularity. It's something that, uh, you know, I'm starting to watch a little bit more. I think if you start to watch and you appreciate 
the, the high level of athleticism there. You can have things that can carry you through these dead periods, but the big three is kind of fun. You got the old guys, they're still super competitive, still trash talk like crazy. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun. We're talking with John Corrales here on Downtown. Well, Vegas is bullish on the Celtics. I think a 57 and a half wins is their projection. Yeah. You, you think that's optimistic? I'm, I'm going to take the over by a couple Ooh, of games. I like it. Uh, I, I'm pegging them. I think, of course, the caveat is with every team, health. But I'm, I'm hoping that they uh, at least avoid a lot of the catastrophic stuff that they've seen uh, from the, the last season. I think a healthy Celtics team can crack 60 wins, at least get 260. Um, they are potentially uh, a juggernaut offensive team. They, they struggle a little bit offensively, but I'm looking at Hayward. I'm bullish on Hayward's return. I think he's going to come back strong. I don't think it's going to be a very long process for him to get back into NBA shape, NBA level of play. Kyrie is going to be Kyrie. And the advance of Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and then you throw Al Horford out there into that mix. I don't know, as an opposing defense, who you guard. There's no player that you leave and say, we're going to make this choice. We're going to say, you got to beat us. At that point, I'm looking at Jalen Brown as the guy. If you can't help off of anybody. If you help off of Jalen Brown, He's become such a good shooter that he can he can really burn you. You have the potential for five forty percent three point shooters out there on the floor at the same time. That is devastating. And on top of it, they can continue to be one of the best defensive teams. The only question is minutes, minutes distribution, getting everybody, keeping everybody happy, working the guys in from the bench. Baines, Morris, Rozier, Smart. There's a lot of talent there. Uh, I, I think they're going to find a way to do it. And if everything kind of goes fairly smoothly, just a normal season with only a few injuries, they can they can get to 60 wins and maybe pass it. I saw you get into a, an online discussion today about the starting lineup and uh, whether Aaron Baines should be one of those five guys. Yeah, well, it's August, so people are <laughs> going to start putting out. you still got to provide content, so we start getting into these theoretical things. Well, I, like I was saying, there's a lot of talent there. And who who sacrifices the most? And you bring back Aaron Baines, and the Celtics defense was at its best when Baines and Horford shared the floor last season. So if they do decide they want to start Aaron Baines, then one of those other four guys has to sit unless the NBA suddenly puts a rule in that you can play six guys if you've got six starter-worthy guys. So I'm wondering if, if they decide to start Aaron Baines, if they sit one of their wings, probably Jalen or Jason, uh, makes the most sense. They're certainly not going to sit Kyrie. They're certainly not going to sit Gordon Hayward. Uh, and I think that's going to be situational. But the way this season is going to play out, the way the playoffs play out, their best lineup is going to be the starting lineup that I mentioned before with Baines coming off of the bench. So they might as well start there. If the argument is to limit Al Horford's minutes, kind of keep him rested, you can still do that with him as a starter. If you come out of the gates strong, first five minutes, even if you sit him down at five or six minutes, maybe that first TV timeout, that first five minutes of pressure that you put on the other team can be huge. If the Celtics come out and they're firing on all cylinders and Horford is picking and rolling, picking and popping, passing out of the post, and those guys are scoring, 
at, at the, their capability, then the Celtics can storm out to 10, 15-point leads halfway through the first quarter. At that point, then you can sit out Horford for a little while, bring in a more defensive unit, have Baines anchor the defense, and be better. I'd rather put that pressure up front and find ways to limit Al Horford in the middle of the game, get him out here at, at the closing lineup. I think that just makes the most sense. You put that maximum pressure on there. The other way, like I said before, you give the defense a choice. If you start Aaron Baines, then you can help off of Baines. Baines is not – you put out a nice little three-point shooting performance last season, last postseason against the Sixers. I don't know how well that's going to carry on. But I just think Al Horford as a starter makes the most sense, and you can limit his minutes other ways. John Corrales joins us to talk basketball every Tuesday afternoon here on Downtown. John, as always, thanks for being with us, and we'll look forward to doing it again next week. Always a pleasure, my friend. So if you want to hear anything else about my political, my, my take on the political stuff, that's all written on RedsArmy.com. This past Sunday, the morning dump on Sunday, where basketball gets political sometimes. That's the headline. Go read that. Check it out. I'm not getting overly partisan. I just am expressing what I feel is the importance of discussing this even in uncomfortable times. So go check that out. The other thing that I want to get into here is the concept of Al Horford coming off the bench versus starting. It all started when Alex Kungu, former RedsArmy.com writer, currently writing for Celtics blog, among other places, presented the possibility of Al Horford coming off the bench for the Celtics this coming season. And part of the, the reasoning is that Aaron Baines can start and Al Horford doesn't want to play the five very often. You can preserve Al Horford by bringing him off the bench or playing him next to Baines and not having him play the five. Now, I disagree, completely disagree. I don't think there's any reason to. Other people have agreed with him. That's fine. This is part of the debate, and it's an August type of debate, so we'll have it. I don't think that Al Horford should come off the bench, like I mentioned with uh, Rich. I, I think starting him in the first five minutes of the game, even if you want to sub him out early, if your goal is to preserve him and you want to sub him out early, you get that big run at the beginning of the game. Think you start hot. You start with the best guys you've got, and Al Horford is the best guy you've got out there at that position. There's no Shaquille O'Neal in the league. There's no big, burly bangers out there. And if there are a couple that he has trouble with, then you can start Aaron Baines, and you can figure it out then. Maybe Jason Tatum, as the second-year guy, gets the short straw, and Brad Stevens talks to him. We saw Jason Tatum last season, was very willing to take a backseat, very willing to kind of defer. He's obviously going to be a lot better, and he's obviously going to be a guy that finishes. If you get into a position, situationally, that you want to start Aaron Baines and go big, maybe Tatum is a guy that you bring off the bench as a very potent scorer, as a guy who's willing to do it, as a guy who understands the team concept, and who understands that at this point in his career, doing so in a few games, just a few games during the regular season, helps the team. Uh, and that would be a great example for him to show other guys. This is an opportunity for uh, a young player to kind of show the veterans, like, hey, look, I'm, I'm probably as good as anybody on this team creating my own shot. I'm going to come off the bench because I'm a young kid. I understand my place. And I, I think that would be a, a pretty good example. Jalen Brown's another possibility if the Celtics want to go that route. Uh, I'm 
I'm not sure which of the two, but it'd have to be one of those two guys if you're starting Aaron Baines next to Al Horford. I don't think they're going to start Aaron Baines instead of Al Horford because, like I said, I just don't like the fact that that gives the defense an option. Sure, you can let him kind of post up in the corner and wait, and he hit a bunch of threes against Philly. That's nice. I love Aaron Baines, but that's not something that I think you can count on. I don't think you can count on Aaron Baines' 35% three-point shooting from three. Uh, I just like the idea of Horford in that starting lineup, pick and roll, pick and pop, seeing the floor, both offensively and defensively, making the right play, making the right pass, being able to read everything out there. He's probably the smartest player on the floor You have to have him out there. You have to have him out there. If you're worried about preserving his minutes, then you pull him out earlier. You pull him out at the TV timeout. You give him six minutes. You let him sit for six minutes. He starts the second quarter. Then he rests going into halftime. You got to make sure that he stays fresh, uh, but also active and engaged and not, you know, when you're a player and you sit for too long, then you lose your rhythm. You got to let these guys have a rhythm. So there's there's a happy medium there. Al Horford, I know he's getting a little older. He's played a lot of minutes. I think he is uh, playing a style of basketball where he's not out there banging and banging and banging. When he, I, I don't think that comment that he made a while ago about not wanting to play the five, I think that was in a little bit of a different time. Even a few years ago, the league was different. I don't think that that's something that he needs to worry about anymore. And I believe, if I recall correctly, he's kind of walked that back a little bit. And he was playing very well, played some of his best basketball last season, did it at the five, did it in the playoffs at the five. I just don't think that that's an issue. There are other things, there are other ways to preserve his minutes, to lower his minutes. I don't think putting him on the bench is is the right way to go. So that's my take. I, I really don't think it's going to be a conversation. I really don't think it's going to come up. Uh, so, But if it does, then, then we'll see. There, if Brad Stevens decides to do it, then he knows better than I do. But I really don't think he's going to do that. I think he understands that this team is at its best when Al Horford is on the floor doing what he does. There will be opportunities to keep Al Horford's minutes down to about 30 per game. And that's a very nice place for him to be. It gives him the right amount of rest. It gives him the right amount of playing time. It keeps him engaged. It keeps him in a rhythm. And he will also potentially take some back-to-backs off. I don't think there's anything wrong with Al Horford taking a game off from time to time to just rest. When you do have this many players that can fill in and, and give the Celtics good quality starting minutes. So there will be opportunities to not play Al Horford in certain back-to-backs. I would not be shocked if that was part of a plan, especially early on. We'll see when the schedule is released, when there is a certain stretch of back-to-backs that might be a little beneficial for the Celtics to rest some guys. I don't think the Celtics are going to overload anybody, especially with their depth. I don't think they're going to care too much about the wins and losses necessarily early on. We've seen Brad Stevens experiment. We talk about Brad Stevens experimenting. He's going to take the opportunities to give these guys proper rest. And with all of this depth, the Celtics can easily go 10 deep. They will have an opportunity to sit Al Horford, 
play Aaron Baines, especially against maybe some of the lesser competition, the Orlandos of the world, those teams uh, might be where guys get a chance to sit, especially if it's on a back-to-back, a home road situation, something like that where uh, it's just beneficial, especially with the older guys like Al Horford or guys coming off of injuries. Maybe they, they will do that for Gordon Hayward sometimes early. Maybe they'll do that for Kyrie Irving sometimes early and let Terry Rozier, who is going to be sacrificing a lot of minutes, you let Terry Rozier get a start or you let Marcus Smart get a start or however you want to do it. You have opportunities to rest these guys, ease them back, the, the injury guys, or preserve Al Horford. So plenty of opportunity to rest these guys without really messing up a formula that works. Okay, that is going to do it for the show. Again, we're going to try to do as much as we possibly can to give you guys Celtics podcast, Celtics content. I hear you. I know you guys want it. We're going to try to do it as often as we can. So today, I just talked around that that radio hit. When I do a radio hit, I'll just share it. I'll give it to you guys as part of the podcast. That's not going to be how we do it every time I do something on the radio, but through the August, September dead portion, if I do something on the radio, I can just give it to you guys and and hopefully you enjoy that and that qualifies as some decent Celtics content at least the Celtics podcast for you to kind of get you through the this this period look we're all fighting through it together we're all doing it and so I'm here to kind of help you out so if you are not a subscriber please subscribe I hope this has been good enough you know we're putting in that effort we're doing this for you guys so please subscribe if you are a subscriber Give us that five-star rating. Give us a good review. I ask you after every, at the end of every podcast, but it means a lot. Good reviews mean a lot. And I know it sounds like I'm begging, but because the more you give us the good reviews, the more people listen. And that just means a little bit more money in our pockets. And we're all working hard to do that. And that's just the way you can pay us because we're not going to ask you for the money up front for the podcast. This podcast is going to stay free. So that's it. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for listening. This has been the Locked On Celtics Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.